Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, May 30th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, BeantownAthletics.com. So on this Memorial Day, of course, we take this time out to remember all those who gave their lives to protect our country. Because of them, I'm able to do this. Yes, this right here. The people who made the ultimate sacrifice to fight for our freedom, these are our heroes. So, on behalf of everyone here at the Danny Picard Show and Beantown Athletics in Dorchester, I just want to take this time out to say thank you for your service. So, Memorial Day, uh, there's a lot going on actually here at Beantown Athletics. They got a little CrossFit 617 going on in the back right now, as you know, or maybe you don't know. Pete Needham, Tony King, and the boys, they also run this gym in Dorchester. It's a CrossFit gym. Now, I'm not a big CrossFit guy, so I don't usually get into it. Like, when I go into the gym, I'm kind of a psycho about it with regards to my workout. Like, I need to keep the same workout. I don't do the same workout every day, but the same regimen throughout the week. Like, I need to keep it the same. So, on any specific sing- you know, any specific day that I'm doing my workout, I need to... Like, like, I'm a pretty superstitious cat with that type of stuff. Like, I need to do the same thing. I just, it, I know, I know. I get in my own head with some of this stuff sometimes. But the point is, I'm not a CrossFit guy. I, I don't get it. I have not got into the CrossFit, but they are having a great event out back of Beantown Athletics right now, and it's part of CrossFit 617. So there's a little plug for CrossFit 617 in Dorchester. From everything that I see, uh, it is a pretty special place to go work out, so make sure you check it out. And they do have a website, and you can get that on the Beantown Athletics website as well. So a lot going on here at Beantown. The store is open. I'm in studio giving you a podcast today. And uh, I'll be on WEI tonight, 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock. If you listen to this before, I'm on WEI, just to give you a little programming update. And uh, a couple shows this week. But later in the week, I am out of town, so I will not be here later in the week. I worked all weekend on WEI. Saturday, I did pregame and postgame for the Red Sox. Yesterday, I did Red Sox review postgame. And today, as I mentioned, on this holiday, Memorial Day, I am on tonight on WEI 5-8. to There is day baseball as the Red Sox are in Baltimore today to begin a four-game series against the Orioles. It is such a crucial series because the Orioles... Going into this game today, a one game behind the first place Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox picked up their 30th win of the season yesterday in Toronto, and it prevented a sweep. It prevented a sweep. The Red Sox nearly got swept by the Blue Jays in Toronto, which would have been pretty bad. The Blue Jays right now in third place in the division. They have five games behind the Red Sox, but... Uh, the way the Red Sox prevented the sweep yesterday was something that I didn't expect. And that is Clay Buckholtz yesterday in Toronto getting the win on a day in which David Price got the start. That's right. You heard me correctly. Clay Buckholtz got the win on a day in which David Price made the start. Now, so much going on this weekend. and I, I'm going to get to everything with regards to the NBA playoffs and... You know, we got a big night tonight. I mean, tonight's a big night. We got day baseball today, first and foremost. Tonight, we got Game 7, Golden State, Oklahoma City. I told you we were going to have a Game 7. And 
We also have tonight game one of the Stanley Cup final, Pittsburgh and San Jose. I'll get to those things, and I'll look back at the weekend that was, but the the top story here in Boston with regards to the Red Sox this weekend going into the series against the Blue Jays was the news that Clay Buckholtz was taken out of the Red Sox rotation and put into the bullpen. Now, it's a big story for multiple reasons. One, we've sort of been waiting for some type of move to be made with Buckholtz because he has been brutal all season long. Or not, He's given us... He's given us a little bit. Like, that game against the White Sox was the one game that I think you can look at and say that was one of Buck Holtz's best performances of the season. But for the most part, Buck Holtz has been terrible for most of this season. And we've just been sort of waiting for a move, right? We've been waiting for them to make some type of move, whether it's, I don't know, putting them on waivers, DFAing them, uh, you know, designate them for assignment, or, or just get them out of the rotation, maybe put them on the DL. I don't know. Move them to the bullpen. Well, that's the move they made. They moved Buckholtz to the bullpen. I don't think you heard anybody complaining about it. Buckholtz had some things to say in the clubhouse in t- when when he was in Toronto, I think on Friday before the game, when reporters went up to, up to him to ask him what was going on. He said, I'm in the, I think his quote was, they moved me to the fucking bullpen. You can write that down. I, I'm pretty sure that's the exact quote. Well, people did write it down. And you know what, Clay? We've been waiting to write this down for a long, long time. But when Buck Colts has moved to the bullpen, I did not expect to have him be put in a situation like he was put in yesterday in Toronto, which was not because here's my here's my plan with Buck Colts. If you're asking me to be the manager of the Red Sox for a minute, or even the GM looking at this move and saying, okay, Buck Colts is out of the rotation. He goes to the pen. Now what? Now what do we have? Well, just because Carson Smith goes out with Tommy John surgery and is out for the season doesn't mean I'm looking for Clay Buck Colts to pick up where, where he left off or, or to even be put into those spots. My plan for Buck Colts in the bullpen would be simple. He's a mop-up duty guy. He's an innings eater. He's someone that will come into a game that's already over. He's somebody that will come in in long relief if you do get you know, in a situation in which you don't want to waste anybody, that's all that Buck Colts is. He's an innings eater. He's a mop-up duty guy, and that's it. I don't want to see him in any other type of situation. But yesterday in Toronto, because of the way the entire weekend went, and, and, and let's go over what happened in the weekend. The Red Sox lost Friday night because Koji Uihara, he threw a high fastball to Donaldson in, what, the eighth inning? Donaldson put it in the seats down the right field line. And it was a turned out to be a game-winning two-run home run. Gave the Blue Jays a 7-5 lead. It broke a 5-5 tie, and the Blue Jays won that game by that score. So Koji loses that one. Then you get Saturday. You get Saturday. You go into the eighth inning on Saturday against the Blue Jays. The Red Sox have an 8-4 lead going into the bottom of the eighth. You begin the inning with Tommy Lane. He hits the first batter he faces. Then, you know, the, the next batter moves the runners along. Then you bring in Tozawa. And, and Tozawa in that spot, and this is where you miss Carson Smith, in my opinion. I think this is where you miss him because I told you when Smith was healthy and even when he went down, you know, some people try to say I was overreacting to the Carson Smith-Tommy John surgery because the Red Sox were winning without him. You know, Smith only made three appearances all season when he got brought up in May. And people said I overreacted. 
Because I basically told you that Carson Smith, the eighth inning was going to be his if he could stay healthy. And because he now out for the season, that's a huge loss to the bullpen, even though we haven't seen him. I was thinking long-term with regards to this being a 162-game season and what I think the needs of the bullpen are going to be based on the confidence that I do not really have in guys like Tazawa and even Koji. And even Koji. So Saturday was a perfect example of why I think you know, Carson Smith is going to be missed really Friday and Saturday. Because on Saturday, you have an 8-4 to four lead going into the bottom of the 8th. And Tazawa comes in for lane, and he can't get anything done. The splitter is flat. It's up in the zone. He gets knocked around. All of a sudden, it's 8-7. to seven, And you're forced to bring in your closer on the road to make a 5-out save, bringing him in the 8th inning. He can't do it. He lets up a run. Tie game. 8-8. Eight, eight. Kimbrough blows the save. Now, you go into the ninth, Ortiz hits you a solo home run, you take a 9-8 lead, then what happens? You send Kimbrell back out for the ninth. I'm okay with it. I actually like the move. At this point, what else are you doing? You're sticking with Kimbrell, all right? You already committed to it. You're part committed. You're keeping him in. You're all in on this one with Kimbrell. And you got to send him out for another inning because now he's coming in for the save with a one-run lead. And Kimbrell couldn't even hold that. And he blows the game. He loses the game. So he blow. He gets the blown save, and he gets the loss. Kimbrell was not good on Saturday. Now, that said, it's not like I lose confidence in Kimbrell because, for the most part, outside of a couple hiccups early on in the season and this hiccup on Saturday in Toronto, Kimbrell's been filthy. He's been lights out. So this should be no question about Craig Kimbrell right now. This should be absolutely no question. He's a dominant, he is as dominant a closer as they come, and even the most dominant closers in the history of the game have had hiccups. They have had blown saves, they have picked up losses, it happens. It's a long season. But, you look at what happened with the bullpen on Friday and Saturday, you get into Sunday, yesterday afternoon, David Price gives you six and a third, he was good, he wasn't great. Uh, you had some, you know, you got a, a tie game, and you basically, you need to go to someone at this point. Buck Holt is warming up, and I'm thinking, all right, extra innings, you have to, right? What, what else are you going to do? But I don't, it doesn't mean I have to like it, but but I guess you're in a situation where you have to throw Buck Holt, Buck Holt out there. In a perfect world, and John Farrell, the Red Sox manager, said this after the game, in an ideal world, you know, Buck Holt's, isn't in that spot. We're not throwing him in that spot. In a tie ball game, in extra innings, and it doesn't matter where it is. I know I keep saying in Toronto, but it really doesn't matter where it is. My plan for Clay Buckholz going to the bullpen was not to be thrown into a tie ball game in extra innings. A tie, a tie ball game in any inning. Like, that, that's not... That, that wasn't my plan for Clay Buckholz. My plan for Buckholz would be mop-up duty, inning Zeta, in which a game is just out of reach or you really have a huge lead and, and you don't want to, you know, maybe you don't want to waste a, a reliever on a game that's out of hand in favor of your team. That's Buckholz's spot, not in a tie game. But they had no choice. They had to go to him yesterday in Toronto in the 10th inning. And credit what credit's due to Clay Buckholz. I applaud him for this. I applauded him yesterday on WEI. I'm applauding him again today. Clay Buckholz, with all this shit going on, he gets moved to the bullpen, and he comes out yesterday in a huge spot trying to prevent being swept by the Blue Jays in Toronto. Tie game in the 10th. Buckholz gets, even gets out of a jam. He hung a breaking ball, allows a single, 
And he ends the inning by striking out Russell Martin swinging with a low and away fastball that was sort of painted on the outside corner low and away. It's a nice pitch. It was a nice pitch. And at this point, if you can get Buck Colts to throw low and away on the paint to right-handed hitters, I don't care if it's only a 90-mile-per-hour fastball. It's, it's better than him hanging a changeup up, up at you know chest high or belt high because that's what he's been doing this season. And, and these major league hitters are going to make him pay for that. They're going to make him pay when he's hanging pitches. Uh, and that's what they've done. The home run ball has really hurt Buck Colts, but he, got, he, he gets out of a jam yesterday, and, he, and he, a jam he put himself in, but it's a scoreless 10th. And yes, I'm calling one base runner with Clay Buckholtz in the 10th inning a jam. I'm calling it that. I mean, if you've watched Buckholtz, if you've seen his mindset, if you, if you look at this guy, you know. I mean, that's a jam. That's, that's Buckholtz in a jam. Uh, because what's going on between his ears, I don't know that we'll ever figure that out. I don't know if he'll ever figure that out. And that's why I was concerned yesterday in this spot. Buck Colts is coming in. He could have done. He could have gone the opposite way. In fact, I expected this to go to the opposite. The opposite way. I expected him to be rattled, especially when he when he lets up that hit. That's what I expect from Buck Colts. But he didn't do it, and we have to applaud him for it because he he took this moment, and it very easily could have went the other way. He very easily could have been down on himself. He could have been upset to the point where he became even more rattled than what he was as a starting pitcher. And he could have just let that game go and they Red Sox lose the game and, and maybe that's it for Clay Buckholz. Yeah, that's the final straw, right? I mean, that think about it. He doesn't have many chances left. He steps on that mound yesterday. That's that's a playoff game for Clay Buckholz yesterday in Toronto. Honestly, it's a playoff game. And it's in a role that he hasn't been in since 2008. That was his first relief appearance since 2008. So... Let's give credit where credit's due. Clay Buckholz went out and he got the job done. He got the job done. And he picks up the win. And so it was, it's not what I expected to be saying after that game, that David Price gets the start and Clay Buckholz gets the win. But that's where we stand with Buckholz. He's in the bullpen now. And that's where we stand with the Red Sox. They win yesterday, but they lose two of three to the Blue Jays. But now they still have a lead. In the AL East by one game, one game over the Orioles, and they begin a four-game series today in Baltimore. And hey, you know what? If you're in Baltimore, because I know Red Sox fans travel. I mean, I've been there. I've traveled. I've been to Camden Yards. And believe me, when the Red Sox are playing at Camden Yards, there are a lot of Red Sox fans. Maybe more at Camden Yards than any other place that I've seen on the road. So if you're a Red Sox fan and you're in Baltimore... Really, anybody, but I say this to Red Sox fans knowing that I probably have a lot of Red Sox fans listen to this show. That's the demographic, probably. So if you're in Baltimore and you're looking for tickets, here's what you need to do. Go to SeatGeek, okay? Download the SeatGeek app. It is free, and you can get a $20 rebate on tickets by using the promo code PICARD. That's right, as in my last name, PICARD. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets, and what's great about SeatGeek is... The price you see is the price you get. Most sites will try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. And once again, download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using my promo code, which is my last name, Picard. And if you're not going to a game until later in the week, what you can do is set an alert on the entire series. 
And what SeatGeek will do is they will let you know when ticket prices fall so you can get the best deal possible. Even better, every ticket on the SeatGeek app is given a grade and you can use their detailed map to see the exact view from your seat. SeatGeek is always the first place that I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert and it should be the first place you go as well. So if you're kicking around uh, Baltimore and, and you made the trip and you're still looking for tickets, because I know how it is. I've been there. I go to the road trip without getting tickets. Maybe you think, you know, you're going to see somebody in the street selling them. Well, that's not the best deal that you're going to get. The best deal you're going to get is on the SeatGeek app, especially if you're getting $20 off by using my promo code, Picard. I, I will keep an eye on this series, but, um, you know, I, again, I think the story with the Red Sox is not just with Buckholtz going to the bullpen, but the other part of Buckholtz going to the bullpen is the entrance or the re-entrance of Eduardo Rodriguez to the rotation. Steven Wright's on the mound today for the Red Sox. It's a 135 start, and again, I'll have you on WEEI after the game from 5 to 8. But Eduardo Rodriguez, he is on the mound tomorrow night, Tuesday night, so we'll see how he can do. I have concerns about the velocity because his last minor league start, the velocity was just not there for him. So there are concerns there for me with him in that regard because, you know, when I praise Eduardo Rodriguez and I tell you that I think he's going to be a stud in this league, there's a reason why I tell you he's going to be a stud. It's because he's a power pitcher. You know, he's this big kid who can throw 95-96. If you've listened to me, you know I will take the power pitcher over somebody who has some soft, fast, you know, a soft, fast ball, low velocity, low 90s and has a nice curveball. Like, I don't, I'd rather not have that. I'd rather have the guy that throws, you know, mid to upper 90s, who's got one of these hard change-ups, who maybe can mix in a slider and a cutter, you know, maybe lower velocity. That's the type of guy I'd like, a power pitcher. Eduardo Rodriguez is just that. At least, that's what he's supposed to be. And that's what he was last year. With this lower body injury, we'll see how long it takes him to maybe get that velocity back up. But I don't know that there's any guarantee he's going to have that velocity tomorrow night, at least based on what we saw in his last outing for AAA. So um, we'll keep an eye on Eduardo Rodriguez, and we'll see what he's going to look like in this rotation. But with him coming back, Buck Colts has been to the bullpen. And I will say this, and I, I said it yesterday on WEI, and I know people called up and maybe disagreed, and, and you know we went back and forth on this. But to me... All right, Buck Colts had success yesterday in that spot, okay? Um, Carson Smith is hurt. I do have questions with Tazawa. I even have questions with Koji, even though Koji came in yesterday in the 11th and struck out Bautista and Donaldson swinging with an okay split on the outside. I think it was because he located it so well. That's why it was such a good pitch. I didn't think he had his best split yesterday. I don't think he's had his best split all season long. I think that's why you saw Friday night he's trying to pump high fastballs by Josh Donaldson, which is just a bad idea. Maybe there's a lack of confidence in that split because it is not the same pitch this season as it was maybe two or three years ago. And, you know, as expected, Koji's 41 years old. I mean, he's, he's not going to have filthy stuff his entire life. That's why guys don't pitch for their entire life. That's why guys, when they do hit 40, you know, some things change for them. And, and, and you got to mix it up a little bit. So I, I do lack confidence in Tazawa and in Koji. I do. And with Carson Smith out, I told you, that's a huge loss. You saw it on Saturday. So the Red Sox do need bullpen help. And they need bullpen help in the later innings. 
But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hesitant to sit here today and tell you that just because Buckholz had a very good 10th inning in Toronto yesterday, a scoreless 10th, and ends up getting the win, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Buckholz all of a sudden needs to be catapulted into this spot in which he is a 7th, 8th inning guy most nights. Like, I'm just not going there with him. I'm not going there. There's been, you know, it's a very small sample size, and some people say, well, give him a shot. I mean, what, what, but here's my argument there. What has Buck Colts done long-term for me to give him a shot? Like, I just, I don't know that he's earned that just yet, you know? I, I think if he does fall into that spot, maybe, you know, he just falls into it. I don't know that they go out and give him that on purpose. At least I don't want to see them give Buck Colts this high-profile seventh, eighth-inning role on purpose. I just don't I just don't want to see it. It's nice what he did for you yesterday. He still should be a long-relief guy. And you know what? Credit the offense yesterday, too, the Red Sox offense. Because when Buck Colts comes in in the 10th and he gives you that type of performance and he gives you a scoreless 10th out of the bullpen, he's. I know Koji was warming up, but Buck Colts wasn't coming out of the game. He wasn't. He was staying in the game. Because he's a long-relief guy. He can pitch you multiple innings. Your bullpen was depleted. If you take Buck Colts out after one inning and you go right to Koji, what's Koji going? One, two innings? Then what are you doing? You, you, then you, what are you going, a positional player to pitch? I mean, no. Buck Colts was in there for the long haul. He was. And, you know, the longer Buck Colts stays in that game yesterday, the more likely it is the Red Sox lose. Right? I mean, the more likely it is the Red Sox lose. So credit the Red Sox offense yesterday for right after Buck Colts, to come out and score a couple runs and allow Koji to come in for the save. But just because Buck Colts was very good in that spot doesn't mean I'm sitting here begging for him today to be thrown into this high-profile 7th, 8th inning role with this Red Sox team. I'm just not buying into that. And if I'm Dave Dombrowski, I'm on the horn trying to make some type of move or... Hey, you know, maybe you're looking at someone like Hembry. I have liked what Hembry's given you. I know he allowed a solo home run to Encarnacion yesterday. You know, you got to sort of limit that type of stuff if you do want to be put in one of these roles. But I think you ask a little bit more out of Hembry. You might be asking a little bit more out of Robbie Ross Jr., who was great yesterday and maybe isn't going to get enough credit for what he did in an inning and a third scoreless relief innings. Um, but, but look, it's been proven before. You can... Have a successful successful bullpen, maybe without going out and bringing in big names. You can. I mean, the Red Sox in 2013 are the perfect example. Koji Uehara is a perfect example. 2013, the Red Sox did not plan for Koji Uehara to be the team's closer in a, in a World Series clinching game against the Cardinals at Fenway. But yet there he is. The way the Red Sox had planned it out, Plan A was what? Joel Hanrahan. Plan B was Andrew Bailey. Then they went back to plan A for Hanrahan. Then they went back to plan B with Bailey again. You know, Koji was like plan E. He wasn't even C or D. He was like plan E. Right? He wasn't in your your top priority plans to be the closer for that team in 2013. And yet, with Bailey and Hanrahan and the injuries, all of a sudden you gotta you gotta ask him to do the job. And he got the job done. He got the job done. So perhaps you get some of these guys in the pen to step up and play a big role. And in the meantime, I'm not saying the Red Sox shouldn't go out and try to acquire a closer. Uh, excuse me, not a closer, but a bullpen guy. But a bullpen guy that might be 
Who knows? Maybe you go get someone's closer, is what I'm saying, and you make them a seventh, eighth inning guy. You know what I mean? Uh, but I still think there's some more time for that to play out with regards to it's Memorial Day weekend, and this is a good point of the schedule in which we can look at the standings and say, all right, this team's doing this, this team's doing that. But it's still a little too early to actually know who all of the sellers are, like who's, who's going to be available before the deadline. I still think we need to get maybe another month into the season for that. Uh, but, 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 hey, I'm not telling Dombrowski to, to not go out and add a reliever with a trade. I think they should try as well as also try to add a starter. What I am telling you is, in the meantime, you still need to rely on the guys you have in your current bullpen. Um, I have questions. I have concerns. But the one thing I will say is, I don't want to see Buckholtz, just because of that one outing yesterday, I don't want to see John Farrell say, hey, now if we get into a tie game or if we have a one-run lead in the eighth inning, even trail by one, we'll go to Clay Buckholtz. No, I don't, I don't want to see that. That's not the mindset. I want the manager to have with this bullpen just yet. So that's where we stand with the Red Sox. Again, huge series in Baltimore, four-game series. And then what? After that, the Red Sox, they come back home, right? And the Blue Jays come to town, right? Yeah, the Blue Jays come to Fenway beginning Friday night. How about this game Friday night? Stroman Price, Blue Jays again. It'll be the third time this season Price plays his old team. So, Stroman Price, Friday night at Fenway. That's a game you should be going on the SeatGeek app right now and setting the alert, and they will let you know when ticket prices fall. That's exactly what you need to do. And, again, the promo code is my last name, Picard. That's a big one Friday night at Fenway. Stroman Price. That's main event type stuff right there. That is like – that's game one of a divisional series or league championship series matchup right there. Price versus Stroman. So uh, there's your little baseball news with regards to the Red Sox forte. Looking back at what happened over the weekend. Oh, yeah, Xander Bogats enters today with a 22-game hit streak. How about that? Last week, Jackie Bradley's Jr.'s hit streak came to an end. Xander Bogats continuing his. He has 22-game hit streak. So pretty impressive stuff out of both Jackie Bradley and Xander Bogats here to begin this season. A little update on today's lineup this afternoon on Memorial Day in Baltimore. David Ortiz is back in the lineup. He was out yesterday. It was a late scratch because he got hit in the left foot by a pitch the day before. He's okay. He was day-to-day. He's in the lineup today. No Hanley Ramirez, though. I assume, you know, they're just trying to give some guys some days off, and I'm completely fine with that. It's a long season. I'm not going to overreact to anything right here with these days off, uh, but good to see Big Poppy back in the lineup today. He likes to hit in Baltimore, and like I said, busy day, busy night, because it's not just baseball today, also got a huge, huge NBA game, huge, now, I told you after game four in Oklahoma City, when the Thunder took a three-to-one series lead, I told you, I believe the Warriors, when they say they're not going out like that, I believe them. And I actually don't know how you couldn't believe him. Like, there are a lot of people saying this thing is over. Oklahoma City is going to close it out. Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, I just, there's no way I would be able to put my money on that. I told you I didn't put my money on that. And I got a big win with Golden State in Game 5. And I got a big win with Golden State in Game 6 because I told you in Picks Picks on Friday that the Warriors were going to force a Game 7. And that's exactly what they did Saturday night. 
And the way they did it was impressive. And, and it was the way I told you it needed to be done when they go into Oklahoma City for that game six. Because game five, Golden State wins that. But what I said was scary for the Thunder after game five was Golden State won game five and Curry and Thompson only combined for five three-pointers made. Right? That's it. So that's kind of a scary thought. You lose that game if you're the Thunder in game five. And Curry and Thompson only hit a combined five three-pointers. So you knew Curry and, Curry and or Thompson were ready. They were ready. One of those two, at least, was ready to go off. And you know what? Klay Thompson went off in game six. 11 three-pointers made. He was 11 for 18 from the three-point line. Steph Curry hit three. So they go from combining for five three-pointers in game five, Curry and Thompson, to combining for 17 three-pointers in game six. Curry and Thompson combined for 72 points. Curry had 31. Thompson had 41. And all these people talking about Durant and Westbrook and the Thunder trying to play hero ball, and that's why they're in a game seven back in Golden State. Well, how about credit what credit's due to the best to the best team we've seen in a long time, Golden State. Yeah, you get the 73 wins. There's a reason why they get the most regular season wins in the history of the league, okay? There's a, there's a reason why they did that. It's not because the teams they were playing were all trying to play hero ball. It's also because they have some pretty damn good scary shooters in Curry and Thompson. And what it comes down to for Golden State is, are those two guys going to hit their shots? Are they hitting their shots? Are they hitting their threes? I don't care how many they take. Um, are they going to end the game combined, f- you know, for more than five three-pointers made? If they do that, if they're in double digits combined three-pointers made, Curry and Thompson, it's a good chance Golden State, especially at home, is going to win that game. I told you the Warriors were not going to go out the way they went out. They win game five. I told you they were going to win game six and force a game seven in picks, picks. And uh, what did they do? They forced a game seven. And I'm going to tell you right now that the Warriors, who right now are a seven-point favorite, okay? You need to take them. They win by at least eight. Win by at least eight tonight in game seven. Golden State is going to the NBA Finals. If I'm wrong, the winner of this game tonight, this game seven in Golden State, the winner plays Cleveland in the NBA Finals because LeBron James and the Cavaliers, they close out Toronto. They closed them out on Friday night in Toronto. A big win. So I got that one right too with Picks Picks. And this mocks now LeBron James is sixth and sixth straight. Sixth straight. Not just sixth. Sixth straight NBA Finals appearance. Like, think about that for a minute. This guy is permanent real estate in the NBA Finals. Like, that. that is... A pretty special accomplishment. And it's not like LeBron, what he's proven. I know he hasn't won it every year. But what he's proven is it's not the teams that he's on taking him to the finals. It's LeBron taking the teams that he's on to the finals. Because it's not like Miami's going to the NBA finals when LeBron leaves. It's LeBron leaving, all of a sudden going to Cleveland, a team that was horrendous without him. And taking them from one of the worst in the league took the NBA Finals two straight years. Like, think about that for a minute. This is all LeBron, all right? And now he has some help. He's got love. He's got Irving. This is a Cavaliers team that right now looks like they're having an awful lot of fun. I know Toronto gave him a little scare by winning games three and four in Toronto. But Cleveland comes back. They whoop him in game five in Cleveland. And they whoop him in game six in Toronto. And I'm telling you right now, for all the people 
that want to try and tell me that, oh, Golden State, Oklahoma City, tonight's Game 7, this should be the NBA Finals. I want these people to think about what they're saying. I need them to start thinking about it. Because you know you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it tonight, pregame. You're going to hear it tonight. Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon will be standing on the court an hour after the game talking on SportsCenter about how this should be the NBA Finals. Meanwhile, you got the best player in the world and the team that he continues to take on his back and bring to his sixth straight, it's it, LeBron's sixth straight NBA Finals appearance, and you got people sitting there going, this is the NBA Finals tonight, Golden State, Oklahoma City. No, it's not. No, it's not. Without Love last year, without Irving last year, LeBron James won two games in the NBA Finals over Golden State. He gets those guys back. You see how they're playing. What, they can't win a third? They couldn't force a game seven? Who knows what happens in a game seven? Then you get to the point, who are you taking, Steph or LeBron? We have this conversation all the time, and I always tell you, and I will continue to tell you, as good a shooter as Steph Curry is, as much of a robot as he seems to be when he's out in that court with these ridiculous shots that he hits, I would never pick him over LeBron James to win me one game. I wouldn't do it. I can't do it. LeBron is my number one overall pick if I started a team right now. And it's not even up for debate. It's not even up for debate. It's LeBron. And what? People aren't going to give him a chance. And he's going to see it. He's going to hear it. Cleveland, in my opinion, I've been telling you this for a little bit, I think Cleveland's winning the NBA Finals. And you got a lot of people that are going to sleep on him. A lot of people that tonight, regardless of the outcome in Game 7, even if Oklahoma shocks me and wins this game tonight, Oklahoma City, if they shock me and they go into Golden State and win and go to the NBA Finals, you'll get people picking Durant, Westbrook, saying they slayed the beast, there's no stopping them now. You know you're going to. You know you're going to see that and hear that. And that is just the ultimate disrespect and the ultimate slap in the face to a guy that has taken his team, multiple teams, to the NBA Finals and is now in his sixth straight finals. It's, it's, an insane, it's an insane stat and number. The more you say it, it gets more insane. Think about that for a minute. And people will pick against him. I'm not. I'm not going to be one to pick against him. And I'm not going to be one telling you tonight that this should be the NBA Finals. It shouldn't be. It's a Western Conference Finals. And... I'm giving Cleveland not just a chance to beat either of these two teams, Golden State and Oklahoma City, but I'm actually picking Cleveland to to beat both of these teams, whatever one they face. I am. I am. That, so that's my, I give you my prediction. Cleveland's winning the championship. And uh, this is going to be a great game tonight. I'm going to take Golden State. They're a seven-point favorite. Warriors, seven-point favorite. Uh, but I think they win by eight. How about these numbers? You want to go to the game tonight in Oakland? <laughs> Two floor seats tonight. You know what they went for today? Two floor seats, game seven tonight. $29,000 each. $29,000 a ticket for a floor seat. You know how much a second row seat sold for today? $10,000 a seat. Second row. 10 k Woo! Um, it's a... It's a lot of money. So you better, are you paying that money? You better hope. You better hope Golden State wins this one tonight. Well, that's going to be, that's going to be tough in your checking account the next day when you're down 29 grand or down 10 grand and Oklahoma City celebrating. You know, you got confetti coming down on you and it's not your confetti. 
That's a that's a tough way to that's a tough way to wake up the next day wiping off the Oklahoma City confetti and 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 also looking at your checking account and seeing that you're down twenty nine thousand or even down ten thousand because you chose to sit in the first or second row. Um, that's that would be a tough way to wake up on uh, tomorrow. But that's what we got tonight. Big game. I'm taking Golden State. Uh, and also, Stanley Cup final begins tonight. San Jose Sharks, Pittsburgh Penguins, game one. This one is in Pittsburgh. You know the storyline. Sidney Crosby. You th- I think we all thought that Sid the Kid, at this stage of his career, would have more championships, would have lifted the cup more than he has. I We all have believed that. And in fact... I would think that at this stage of, on the other side of it, at this stage of Joe Thornton's career, he would have at least been to one Stanley Cup final. This is Joe Thornton's first Stanley Cup final. Um, uh, Phil Kessel for the Penguins, former Bruin. Joe Thornton for the Sharks, former Bruin. You got a lot of storylines here. I'm rooting for Joe Thornton. Yeah, I will, I will never forget, I will never forget how I felt when the Bruins traded Joe Thornton, Okay. And the return was just downright pathetic to the point where I'm looking at the TV. I'm up at UMass and my off-campus apartment, and I forget what we were watching. And it was scrolling on the bottom line on, like, ESPN, and it's like Bruins trade Joe Thornton, and you're getting these names. You're like Marco Sturm. And then it said Primu, and I'm like, I think I think they must have typed in the wrong Primu. Like, it must be the other Primu, right? Like, the, the good one? And it wasn't. It ended up not being the good Primo. And we were just so confused. Um, but I was devastated because I was a huge Joe Thornton fan. Huge Joe Thornton fan. And I understand that, you know, years down the line, the Bruins ended up you, you can't be too worked up about it as a Bruins fan because I'm not anymore because the Bruins ended up winning a cup in 2011. And who knows if they would have won it with Joe Thornton. I, I You know, we'll never know. But they weren't winning with him at the time. And... He's a great player. I think he's a Hall of Famer. But clearly, they took the C off his chest. They put an A there. And, you know, maybe the C was too much for him to handle. But Joe Thornton, there he is, finds himself in his first Stanley Cup final. I'm a fan of his. I hope he wins it. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, My prediction for this one? My prediction is that he doesn't. Because then I have to go against Sidney Crosby. And I just don't know that I can do that. My heart is rooting and thinking Joe Thornton. My brain is thinking Sidney Crosby wins uh, another cup. and Because you know Crosby's going to go out with multiple cups, and this would be a perfect time for him to do that. So that's the Stanley Cup final. That begins tonight. A lot going on. Uh, John Cena returns tonight, if anybody is interested in that. I don't know that you are. I don't like how they're telling us about that, by the way. And you know what? I've been sort of out of the loop. I've been out of the loop with the WWE stuff. I I really haven't been paying attention. But, you you know, if you go on Twitter, I follow them on Twitter, and every two minutes they they are telling us about John Cena's return tonight. I think, um, I don't know how I feel about that. But I I think if, if I was making the decisions, I would probably not tell anyone and maybe just have it be a surprise. Like at one of the pay per views, he'd come in and do something. Like I think that's how they should do it. Back in the day, I feel like that's the way they would do it. Things, things have changed. Times have changed now in the WWE, as you know. 
But uh, Cena's return, you just said Seth Rollins return. So they got some good stuff going on. I'm probably not going to watch it. Again, I'm on WEI tonight until 8 o'clock. So you can listen to me there. And um, yeah, I'm here five days a week. You can listen, subscribe, dannypicard.com. We have a shortened week this week. I'm actually, I'm actually heading out of town tomorrow, but I have a couple podcasts that I'm going to upload for you the next couple days. So make sure you subscribe right now. Again, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. And you can also always listen on my website at dannypicard.com. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.